Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. How are you? I hope you're doing well. It's nice to be back with you again. Another sunny time here. It's the 5th of August, 2022, as I record this. And I hope you're doing well, and I hope you managed to watch the women's final of the Euros. Very proud of being English today. Absolutely fantastic, wasn't it? I think things like that for me, having been involved with many schools and charities for disaffected youth, people need ownership. And many people find that through sport. They manage to channel what's maybe currently coming out as aggression through sport and find teamwork and find that they can work with other people. And it's a beautiful thing. And what something like this does is it encourages that grassroots sport to make things better for the youth of today. And it's something we can all be proud of, you know, absolutely fantastic. And to beat Germany of all people, absolutely buzzing on that will be for some time. So well done, the England team, ladies England team. Absolutely fantastic. Now, why we're here. Property. Let's get some news together for you. Firstly, the big one of the week, I'm sure you're aware, or if you're not, you're just about to get a bit of a shock. Although, if you listen regularly, it shouldn't be too much of a shock. This week, the Monetary Policy Committee of the Bank of England has raised interest rates yet again, and interest rates are now up by 0.5%. That means that you'll now be paying more on your mortgage on average, and they were at 1.25%, and they're now at 1.75%. That means that we're at the highest level interest rate wise since December 2008. Why is that happening? You might ask. Well, it's a very good question. This is not necessarily your mortgage rate, by the way, although mortgage rates are directly affected. This is the Bank of England's rate. What rate the banks and building societies choose to put their rates up is slightly different, but should more or less mirror what the bank is doing. The bank says it hopes to slow the rate at which prices are increasing and it's warned inflation could pass 11 percent later this year. If you're wondering why they're raising interest rates to help lower inflation, it's because prices are going up quickly as COVID restrictions ease. Many firms are getting less goods to sell than they had. And then you've got more people chasing fewer things. And that's what's happening in the property market, too. Of course, if you put on top of that the massive rise in oil and gas costs, and it's even made worse by, believe it or not, you know, just the Russian invasion of Ukraine because uh, the supply issues there. So what can the government do about rising inflation? Well, the government actually has made the Bank of England independent on this. So it is outside of the government's control, theoretically, well, in practically as well. The Bank of England, though, have a responsibility to report to the government when inflation gets above target. And so what's happening here is that the Bank of England are trying to get back hold of inflation. The problem is that this doesn't happen overnight. There's a lag time, and that lag time could be as much as two years. Why? Because when the Bank of England set the interest rates, the fixed rates that you and I have remain in place until the end of the term when it comes to our mortgages. So if you've got a five-year fixed rate, uh, then you're probably sitting quite smugly and pretty right now, and good for you. And similarly, some people would have a 10-year fix, even a lifetime fix. So there are people that this won't have impact on. And of course, there are people that own their own their homes outright and won't be fe- impacted in the slightest by this. And many pensioners rely on interest rates in order to get an income. And they'll be grateful of the raising interest rates. But for most of us, this is bad news. It's bad news because it costs us more. 
Now, there is another argument that inflation does erode the value of debt, which is true. In other words, if inflation is running at 10%, then the £100 in your pocket this year will only be worth £95 next year. Well, the same is true of your borrowing costs. The problem, of course, is that you're now having to pay higher costs on that borrowing. But if your salary goes up in line with inflation, which is not a luxury most of us have, then actually the value of your debt is eroding quite rapidly. Um, so it can be good news for those, not most of us, but it can be good news for some of us. What will this mean for the property market? Well, what I experience when things are a little bit tough and they're more than a little bit tough, they're probably the toughest I've known in my lifetime for so many different reasons and likely to get tougher as well, of course, with the fuel bills increase coming. Us Brits are good at doing one thing when we're not sure, and that's nothing at all. We tend to sit on our laurels and just try and wait it out. Put, pull down the shutters and where we can, we'll reduce debt, clear credit card debt, clear mortgages. That's what tends to happen. And so we're likely to see less supply coming to the market. And of course, this is the balancing act and why the property market, in my view, won't fall off a cliff because interest rates are higher. It does make moving less affordable. But on the other hand, there will be those that have to move and there will be those that have to sell. Now, Let's start with the people that have to sell. Who has to sell? Most people wish to sell, but don't have a burning need to sell. The difference being that those that don't have a burning need to sell and are seeing everything going on around them might be frightened, quite understandably, by recent events. And therefore, they might choose to say, well, let's just wait it out and see what happens. This then causes an undersupply of property. Now, the other kind of person that might be impacted by this is, of course, someone struggling to pay their mortgage who might get repossessed. But since the 2007-2009 uh, banking crisis, what's happened is that banks have been very good at restricting the amount of debt that people can obtain. In other words, restricting the salary multiples and um, making sure that the minimum deposit requirements are met. And what this has meant, given that prices have risen quite rapidly between 2009 and today, is that there's plenty of equity for most borrowers in their property. Now, equity gives us options. It means that normally there will be someone out there that will refinance your property if you're in a financial position that's comfortable for the bank. Also, if you have equity, there's a chance that you could do other things and secure loans in other ways. This is not financial advice, by the way. We're not qualified financial advisors. Do seek advice from an independent financial advisor if you want such advice. But the point I'm making is this, that if you look at the level of repossessions in the UK over the last couple of years, relative to the size of the UK housing market, it's very, very small. So even if the number of repossessions doubled or tripled, the figure would still not be significant enough to have a massive impact on house prices in the UK. So then if the supply is not coming from repossessions and it's not coming from Mr. and Mrs. Average that decide not to move, where is it coming from? It's coming from motivated sellers that want to move areas it's coming from people who perhaps need to downsize financially. Uh, and apart from that, it's not coming from anywhere. And because we're not building much, it does mean that there will continue to be an undersupply. Now, of course, the UK property market, like any other market, does run on confidence and confidence is low right now. But with a lack of supply, I can't see the market falling off a cliff. I think what's more likely to happen is we'll see a consolidation of prices and prices will not fall, but they will start to stay where they are or rise very slowly. Um, but it's hard to say because what we're finding still is that if a property is on for what's seen as a competitive price, buyers are not shy of overbidding. 
So that's it on the base rate rise. Let's look at some of the headlines this week from the national newspapers. Uh, London's Labour Mayor, Sadiq Khan, you may have caught last week our edition on the Renters Reform Act. And Sadiq Khan has claimed credit for many of the measures contained in the government's fairer rented private sector white paper. It is only a white paper at the moment. He's made clear he wants the new prime minister to give him more power. Speaking in a debate about the white paper at the London Assembly, Khan suggested the government has copied his ideas for scrapping of Section 21, reform to possession grounds, open-ended tenancies, a landlord register and a portal aimed at the rental sector. He says he advocated such claims much earlier on. He said that crucial elements are missing from the white paper proposals. If all renters, particularly those who are most vulnerable in households with children, are truly to see the benefit of these reforms. He wants to see different things happening as well. He is saying that landlords should pay the removals costs of tenants when they serve notice on them. And he also wants notice periods extended and he wants the power to freeze rents for two years. Now, there are dangers with rent controls. If he does get rent controls, what will happen is landlords will realise that there's a cost outside of their control and they'll protect themselves. And this means that many landlords that don't increase their rent annually We'll see this as a time to protect themselves and they'll increase rents to the maximum market rent, which landlords don't usually do, believe it or not. Most landlords will stay below the market rent because they'd rather keep a good tenant than have a vacant property. But I don't see that going anywhere. But I think it's uh, it's important to make sure we have all the news coming across here on the pod. Now, the rate rise, what does it mean? It means a £50 a month jump for the average tracker mortgage. Now, tracker mortgage is a mortgage you can take out where the rate of loan will track the Bank of England base rate plus a certain percentage. Um, And this means that the average increase is about £50. This adds up to an extra £600 in mortgage costs over the course of a year. Of course, here in London, those changes can be much, much bigger. Santander is the first lender to hike rates on its mortgage deals. And... Another high street bank, Barclays, has announced four of its five-year fixed-rate loans will be withdrawn from sale. Interesting, isn't it? Four of its five, but one remains. Purchase and remortgage deals are among those cut from the bank's range, and it'll uh, be interesting to see what happens. We'll report to you as things progress on that. Uh, Sunak has warned Brits will face higher mortgage payments under trust. Uh, no doubt she's done the same under him, so you know, let's not get too deeply into that. Um, On tax, the Daily Telegraph reports the buy-to-let crackdown boosts income for the Treasury. The Treasury has raked in a record amount of capital gains tax following record-breaking house price rises and a crackdown on buy-to-let properties. Tax paid on capital gains soared 42% to 14.3 billion in the tax year just ended. But I think what they're missing here is that landlords are selling up and what that means is less supply for tenants. And what that means is higher rents. And we're really seeing that filter through already. The money made by the government for CGT, which is typically charged at 28% on residential property and 20% on other assets, has increased every year bar two since the financial crisis. Taxes collected on the sale of investments in second homes are now expected to rocket by another £6 billion to reach £20 billion by 2026. That's by their own forecasts. Apart from that, the second homes hotspots could get the first refusal on properties. And this is... Uh, obviously an ongoing issue. Second homes hotspots are people are buying properties in areas where they want to holiday. And this is causing lots of problems with local economies, because, of course, if you've got a property that remains vacant apart from holiday periods through the year, then the local economy is impacted massively because the local shops are not being used, etc., etc. So local 
tourist areas in Wales could be the first to get refusal on homes sold nearby amid concerns some people are being priced out of their communities. The Fair Chance Scheme will allow properties to be marketed locally only for a fixed period. Interesting to see how that works. The scheme will allow properties to be marketed locally for a fixed period, and it's part of a plan to protect Welsh as a community language. Um, Interesting to see how that goes, but I don't see it having much of an impact because there is a real yearning for holiday homes. Has lessened since the end of the pandemic, but I think people now, they do crave outside space and they crave UK holiday space as well. And if they've got the budget for it, they will do it and less forced not to. So that's it for this week's property buyers and sellers podcast a tough week with interest rates ahead if you want advice and you're wondering what to do next and you're thinking maybe of buying and selling bear bear this in mind even if prices were to fall and i don't suspect they will but if you have equity in your property and that equity is sufficient to facilitate your move if you're moving from london to birmingham for instance and prices were to fall by 10 percent, then let's say you're selling at half a million in london and you're buying at half a million in birmingham then actually the move, move is neutral anyway. If the market falls by 10%, then you sell at 450 in London to buy at 450 in Birmingham. So it's not necessarily the end of the world if prices did fall off slightly. I don't suspect that will happen anyway, um, but I do think that sometimes we're all caught up in you know the increases that our houses have made and how much we've theoretically made on paper when we should be looking at it more as our homes. And uh, yes, I think you should protect yourself where you can because we've got tough times ahead. I think particularly this winter is going to be one of the toughest on record. And I think we're going to see a, a real slowdown in the amount of people choosing to sell their homes. Uh, but that creates an opportunity for the few that wish to move. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. We'll report to you live from the coalface here at James Alexander and let you know what's going on. Thanks very much for listening this week. We'll be back next week with another edition. Until then, stay safe, look after your family and friends. We'll speak to you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today and thanks to Jack Bowles for production. 